Hey, George Herbert Walker Bush, we learned in the past. We learned that there's one predictor that works in all elections except for two or three in all of American history for whether the incumbent party wins re-election. What is that one factor? The economy. Okay, that only counts for the presidential election. But there it is. So under Reagan, the economy, good or bad? Good. So the Republican wins. It is Reagan's vice president. Dude's name is George Herbert Walker Bush. Not to be confused with George Walker Bush, who is the son of George Herbert Walker Bush. I know, like it's super confusing, right? On your test, I will put like in parentheses the older one and the younger one so that you don't have to keep track of who is who. So this is the older one. George Bush stands up, does his thing. Now, we have a moment. And this, you're going to need to do on your primary document analysis paper a reflection. But here's the thing. This is what's difficult. Mark Twain said that history rhymes. History doesn't really repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. We see events that remind us of other events. So this is, this is the thing. I need you to do a document analysis of this document. I do not need you to do a document analysis or your political stance on Black Lives Matter or modern stuff. That is not what we are doing. Okay, I need you to, just for a moment, set that aside and think historically. You're a person in the 90s. Why would this be so shocking to you? No. Now the story that might never have surfaced if someone hadn't picked up his home video camera. We've all seen the pictures of Los Angeles police officers beating a man they had just pulled over. The city's police chief said today he will support criminal charges against some of the men. Here's ABC's Gary Shepard. The three police officers facing felony criminal charges were among a group of 15 who stopped a 25-year-old black man last Saturday night, then beat him, kicked him, and clubbed him, unaware that an amateur photographer was recording the incident on videotape. Los Angeles Police Chief Darrell Gates looked at the tape and said he thinks assault with a deadly weapon will be one of the charges. In our review, we find that uh, the officers uh, struck him with batons of between 53 and 56 times. Uh, one officer rendered uh, uh, six kicks and one officer one kick. Civil rights organizations say the Los Angeles Police Department has a history of brutality and misconduct that goes back a quarter of a century, including one incident that sparked the Watts riots. So far this year, there have been more than 125 complaints of police misconduct filed with watchdog organizations. We no longer want to have to wake up each morning not knowing what fear to expect next. Today, we are not sure that the police is there to protect us. But Chief Gates today called the LAPD a model department and said he has no plans to resign. Gary Shepard, ABC News, Los Angeles. So, answer that question. 
Okay, so let's see the results of this. So these three officers are put on trial, and they are acquitted. What does that mean? It's the fancy legal term for found not guilty. So yes. So they're acquitted. So people are angry. And angry people, frustrated people, often make foolish decisions. The decision they make in this case is they burn down the stores and loot the stores in their own neighborhoods. Similar thing happened in the Watts riots in the 1960s, happened in the 1990s, happened in 2020. So, I mean, more proof that Twain was right and history does rhyme. Hey, now, I thought you'd like to hear a story of a drug dealer. This is not Breaking Bad. This is always bad. Starring Panama. Okay. At the time, the chief export of Panama, in terms of money, was a product called cocaine that you may have heard of. A drug that, once it comes into the United States, has a very negative impact on some of the most vulnerable members of our society. So the United States is interested in not having cocaine come in. The problem is, the dude who was primarily responsible was Manuel Noriega. He was not technically the leader of Panama, but he was in practice the leader of Panama. So Noriega, being ruthless and brutal and essentially functioning like a dictator, there's not a lot the United States can do about his export of cocaine. Enter President Bush's idea. He calls it Operation Just Cause. He sends in U.S. troops into Panama to arrest Noriega. Can he do that? You're all like, I don't know. Some of you are shaking your head no. Legally, no. But of course, in actuality, he can. He did. So they arrest Noriega, they take him back to Florida, to Miami, because, you know, I won't finish that in mock Florida like I usually do, where my wife and one of my children is from. So they put him on trial for drug dealing, and they find him guilty because he's terribly guilty. So they stick him on trial. He ends up here. They do give him prisoner of war status, so he does have some benefits. But France keeps insisting, hey, he was money laundering in France. So when he'd finished serving his time, both Panama and France wanted him. 
Panama wanted to put him on trial for murder, which he was completely guilty of. France wanted to put him on trial for money laundering, which he was completely guilty of. So if you're the United States State Department, which one do you give him to? I, I like some of the debate you have going on there. The one that's more powerful, the one that's more of an ally, so France. So he goes over to France. They put him on trial. He's totally guilty. They find him guilty. They sentence him to seven years in prison. At the end of his term, he has a brain tumor. So they send him back to Panama. They find out the tumor's benign, but they operate on it, and um, due to complications of that surgery, he dies. So, is Noriega super important? No, he's not super important, not, not in the vast scheme of U.S. history. But the reason I point this out to you is first, it's, I mean, it's just kind of an interesting story. I mean, how bad do you have to be to have three countries that want to throw you in prison? No country wants to throw me in prison. I'm guessing that no country wants to throw you in prison. At least I hope. I hope. Yeah, I know. There's my success. I've had a successful life. No one wants me in prison. This is... The main reason this matters, though, and this doesn't have to go in your notes, but it's going to matter a whole bunch tomorrow. This is the first military operation the United States does in the 1990s. and We did a whole bunch. We're only going to talk about two. And in all of them, the United States is so freaking successful that when we get attacked on 9-11 and we decide to go into Afghanistan and after that Iraq, we think that it's going to go like this, all these wars go, and it doesn't. Okay, so the next one, same main point, Gulf War. So what you're seeing here is the country of Kuwait. So think for a sec, you see it there by the Persian Gulf. So maybe close your eyes for a second and think, okay, where is this on a globe? Got the Middle East used to be part of Persia. There's Iraq right above it. Iraq was headed by this man, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein is one of those classic dictators. I mean, here he is on his golden throne. He did kill some of his immediate family members because he felt like they were threats to his power. I mean, this, this is a bad dude. Then one of the things he decided to do was to invade Kuwait. Kuwait was one of our allies and we imported a bunch of oil from them. So we decided that we would protect Kuwait. So we send in the planes. Now let me tell you how this war goes. I'm just, I have one, my best friend at the time, I was in like late elementary school. My best friend at the time, his dad was by profession a Marine. And he went over to fight in the Gulf War. He had one experience he told me about. He and his... You tell I'm not a military man. Battalion. Were up on top of this ridge. And they came in and they, just, they found this entire army 
of Saddam Hussein's forces. They had been marching for days, searching for American troops so that they could surrender. Once they found them, they threw their weapons down and waved their white flags like immediately. Like, we surrender. We've been searching for you guys so that we could give up. Saddam Hussein had gone through the streets, kidnapped a bunch of people. I mean, you know, it wasn't him personally. Um, but he'd had his people go through the streets, kidnapped a bunch of people, forced them into the army. And so they didn't want to die. They didn't agree with Saddam's cause, so they just found some American troops and surrendered. As they retreated, because this, this war only lasts a few months, as they retreat, they light all of the oil wells on fire. It was so bad that the air was bad here from this. So my friend's dad, he spent most of his time in the end, about two years, putting out oil well fires. But again, the thing that matters the most, the United States is super successful. And so we start to believe that we will be successful in every military conflict. We'll make some decisions tomorrow that are based in that belief. Hey, just, this is almost more of a side note. As a matter of fact, it's enough of a side note, we're going to skip it. <laughs> Let's talk about Bill Clinton. Election, Bush only served for four years, and then Clinton popped in. People were worried about Clinton. He was a Rhodes Scholar, so that's, that means he was very smart. We'll see a primary document in a minute of him talking. You'll see some things about him. But because he went off to a foreign country to go to the university at Oxford, which is pretty impressive, uh, you could do stuff like this. Get it? It's empty. Uh -huh. People think they're funny. They question him about his drug use. They're like, we know you were a marijuana smoker. And he said, I smoked, but I didn't inhale. Which is kind of a classic Clinton answer. And then there was this whole thing with Whitewater that you, I don't know, I have a crazy relative who thinks there was this whole conspiracy with it. Um, but they question it. So how did Clinton win? There's two factors. One, the economy was pretty bad. So Clinton actually runs on the, his campaign slogan is, it's the economy, stupid. In the, some of you want to go into politics, I know. In the end, the economy is the thing that affects the most Americans most of the time. If you want to be president, you have to learn to make people feel good about the economy and spend their money. And then this dude pops up. His name is Ross Perot. I guess you know because that's on the slide. Ross Perot 
is an independent, he's a billionaire from Texas, and he decides that he wants to be president. So he splits the vote. So a lot of the Republicans go for Perot. So Bush doesn't have a huge chance, and instead, we have Clinton. Clinton wins. He wants to do health reform. Hey, so he looks around. Who could be in charge of a health reform program? And he finds someone who is very qualified. The problem is she is not very popular. Her name was Hillary and still is. Like, this is his wife. You know Hillary Clinton. Eventually became Secretary of State, ran against Donald Trump. This is her. She was incredibly unpopular with conservatives, fairly popular with Democrats, but you have to appeal to both to be really successful. And so when he suggests her as a healthcare person, it's a no-go. It's not going to work. To make matters worse, business and healthcare companies, they're against it. They're like, this is, this is not what we want to do. We don't like this plan. And so in the end, it doesn't pass. And people are like, does that mean his presidency's failed? Maybe it does. One law doesn't make a failed presidency. But sometimes the media would paint it that way. So he tries health reform. The one thing he does, so we're going to skip the question on uh, gross domestic product. One thing he does is the North American Free Trade Agreement. This has a huge impact on your life. Still does. What this does is it, it removes trade barriers between the three countries in North America. Or the three big countries in North America. So I'm going to illustrate what this does with a real life example from the local area. Okay? You may have heard of a city called Tremonton. In Tremont, or actually in Garland, just down the street from our sister school, there is a factory that's now like, I think it's Intertape Polymer now. But it used to be Lazy Boy. Oh, maybe it's Malto Meal now. Doesn't matter. It was Lazy Boy. They made chairs. Right? You know the recliners? Lazy Boy. You've heard of these. They made chairs. This law passed, and Lazy Boy decided to move their manufacturing to Mexico. Now, I want you to think about this. Almost any time the government acts, there are people who benefit and people who there's a cost to. Who benefits from Lazy Boy moving to Mexico? Who benefits and how? Good. Customers, it's cheaper. It makes it cheaper to buy chairs. Yeah. People in Mexico because it gives them jobs. Excellent. It's got to benefit the business owner some way or they wouldn't make that decision. So how does it benefit them? You have cheaper chairs. You could still charge a little less for them, but they're way cheaper to make. So they make way more money. Okay, now who does the cost fall to? 
people who were employed by Lazy Boy here in the United States. A lot of people lost their jobs. So, winners, losers. So think, think about think about that. Who wins? Who benefits from this kind of thing? But it has a big impact because we still have quite a bit of trade. We trade all kinds of stuff. We import uh, medicine, uh, wood, oil from Canada, Justin Bieber. You don't care. You can just go love yourself. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist doing a song title. Midterm elections. You're like, you're such a geek. It's true. But we're almost done. The midterm election comes. A midterm election is the election when the president is going to be president for two more years. So he's been president for two, and he will be president for two. Now, this is one of those history rhymes things. Here's what happens, and it doesn't matter which party we're talking about. The American people get tired of the party in office for reasons that are going to be really clear in just a minute. So they elect the other party. They tend to elect them when they're really frustrated to both Congress and the presidency. So they sweep Congress and the presidency, and they decide that the reason the American people have elected them is because they love their policies. So they do a bunch of stuff to try to make their policies be the only policies and whatever, but that's not why they were elected. The American people usually elect the party that is not the party in power. Not because they love the other party's policies, but because they hate the party in power's policies. So, they do this whole thing, and by the time midterms come, they want the other party to be in power. So usually when they do a clean sweep of Congress and whatever, the other party takes it. Right now, this is what we're looking at for the midterm elections. So 2022, most of you are voting, right? Right? Yes. It's your responsibility, not just your right. You're voting. So it looks like, unless something huge changes, it looks like the Republicans are going to sweep in because people are dissatisfied with the Democrats' policies. Why? Because the Democrats decided that everybody loves their policies. We saw the same thing when Trump was first elected. We saw the same thing when Obama was first elected. We saw this is one of those things. It rhymes. We see it again and again and again. And by the way, if you're going to go into politics, the first party that figures this out can hold on to their power, maybe indefinitely. The first party that's like, we're just going to be reasonable. And we're going to do stuff that the American people want instead of push our own ideas and win. So this is what happens. They've been a bunch of Democrats. So the Republicans come in. They're dissatisfied with Clinton. They're frustrated at his health care push. They're not fans of his health care kind of leader, Hillary. They don't like the way the economy is going. So they decide that they're going to 
elect a bunch of Republicans. So Republicans sweep into the Senate and the House. Their leader is the Speaker of the House. His name is Newt Gingrich. Newt's still around, by the way. Ran for He's one of the like 8,000 people who ran for the Republican nomination against President Trump, eventual President Trump, and lost. His big idea was that we should colonize the moon. So he called his whole thing the contract with America. We're going to go in, we're going to do this contract with America. And we're going to start by sticking it to Clinton. But it ends up with a stalemate and they shut down the government. What that means is that everyone who's considered non-essential gets laid off for weeks or months. They usually don't get paid. They did the most recent time this happened, but they usually don't get paid. And their family struggles. And so they get mad. The Republicans blamed Clinton. They said, yeah, it's Clinton's fault the government shut down. But most of the American people, they were like, no, you did it, Gingrich. And so they didn't manage to hold on to their power for as long as they could have. And they don't get to do what they, what they wanted to do. Okay, why should you care? Because they keep suggesting that we shut down the government again. I got here. This is Obama and Boehner. We could have, I could have put a picture of Trump and uh, what's his face? Or her face. Pelosi. Like we, they keep suggesting shutting things down. The people don't blame who you want to blame. Hey, we're almost done. Last thing is the impeachment scandal. Let's start with what impeached actually means. What does it mean that you get impeached? You are put on trial. And I put president gets put on trial by the Senate, but it doesn't have to be the president. Who else can be impeached? A Supreme Court justice. Excellent. So if you're one of those people that doesn't like what the Supreme Court is doing, the solution's right there. Impeachment. That's the only constitutional way to remove one of these people from office. That was true for those who didn't like Trump. It's true for those who don't like Biden. The solution is impeachment. Is it going to work? Almost definitely not, no. Hey, impeach means they're put on trial. The Constitution only says, the only direction it gives is that you can be impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors. There's no other explanation of what that means. Now, how many presidents have been impeached? What's the number? Three is correct. Who are they? Who's the first one? Andrew Johnson, what was he impeached for? Good, firing the cabinet members. Bill Clinton, what was he impeached for? Yeah. You can't get impeached for having an affair. If that were a thing, a lot of presidents would get impeached. John F. Kennedy in particular. 
But Clinton's impeached for something else. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Now, that wasn't under oath, but he said basically that under oath. You know when you stand up and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, like in court? If you lie at that point, you've committed a crime called perjury. Okay, so what's perjury? Lying under oath. Excellent. So Clinton lies under oath till they impeach him. Is he found guilty by the Senate? No. The other president that's impeached is Donald Trump. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. How come Nixon wasn't impeached? He was guilty and nobody was supporting him anymore. Because he resigned first. Excellent. Good. Good, good, good. Okay. And how many presidents have been found guilty and removed from office? Zero. Zero. The Senate is designed, was designed by the Founding Fathers to be slower, more deliberate, and more reasonable. That's its job. So while the House gets all happy and decides to impeach everybody and their dog. In the end, all three of these presidents were impeached. Did they do things? Yeah. But it all comes down to they were impeached because the other party didn't like them. And so none of them have ever been removed. Will we see anyone get removed? I sure hope not. If we do, do, though, who becomes president? The vice president. What if the vice president, like, dies or something? Then it's the Speaker of the House. And after that? It's the president pro tem of the Senate. Yeah, good, 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 good.